Welcome inside the Fantasy Stock Exchange. Danny and Bush coming at you with another Hot Commodities episode. Uh, continuing our division preview series, we have the NFC South uh, division very close to my heart on deck. And uh, as you're going to see, this is a very, very fantasy plentiful division. So Danny, how are you doing today? Doing well, doing well. Yeah, I mean, like going through some of these options, is just absolutely insane thinking about how much talent resides in this division for fantasy football, especially. I mean, we'll get through it, but y'all already know the big names like the McCaffrey's, the Kamara's, Michael Thomas's and stuff. We'll get through you to through to you our designations but yeah anything you want to add before we hit that intro no if uh if you haven't seen any of the division previews we've done thus far if this is your first time checking out a video i'd like to encourage you to hit the subscribe button because we post videos pretty much every day uh like this video and comment down below but we're going through the top sleepers top values top busts, top uh, uh league winner potential guys and um uh bounce backs for each yeah. division instead of doing like a, a full-fledged like breakdown of the division as a whole we figured we'd kind of pick out our superlatives from the division so as yeah, Danny mentioned we're going to hit the intro and then see you guys on the other side Hey, as Bush mentioned uh, quickly too, we're not going to the full divisional previews, but if you guys want to see those, they're actually on our draft guide. The link will be in the description of this video. We have team by team breakdowns in terms of vacated production, what we project for the season, coaching changes, personnel changes, all that good stuff. Make sure y'all don't miss out because at this point we reduced the cost. $3, guys. Three, that's less than your freaking breakfast, and that's ultimately what's going to help you. You're going to spend more on snacks at your draft than you spend on your preparation for the draft, which is, like, awesome. So, And also, quick announcement. We've started uploading our show notes to the draft guides uh, basically under a couple categories. I've been doing this. So our must-draft players, me and Danny, a couple months ago talked about ADP values by round. So I uploaded those videos that are directly on the draft guide site, as well as the show sheets, like what we kind of went through when we were doing them. Same goes for um, – uh, we also talked about draft strategy. Me and Nick talked about it early in the Black Monday show when it first started. We talked a lot about draft strategy then. Still relevant now, so go check that out as well in the draft guide, as well as um, uh, strength of schedule stuff that me and Nick went over. So all that stuff is now in the draft guide. It's under the tab video content. So if you purchase the draft guide, again, only $3. So enough um, going through yeah. shit. Let's get into this division. So let's For start sure. off with sleepers. And I guess I'll kick it off because – this is a guy who, in the draft guide, is my sleeper at the quarterback position. So Teddy Bridgewater is the guy I'm talking about. He's new to the Panthers, uh, but he should have some familiarity in the system uh, through his time in New Orleans. Obviously, um, he, uh, offensive coordinator Joe Brady is from the, the Sean Payton coaching tree in the New Orleans Saints system, and he used to be a coach or offensive uh, control person there. I don't even remember exactly what his position was, but the additions of Russell Okung, hopefully he ends up playing the season, should help bolster a, a solid offensive tackle pairing in Carolina. Robbie Anderson adds uh, to the already potent attack of Christian McCaffrey, DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, and uh, uh, up-and-coming tight end Ian Thomas. So Bridgewater enters a situation which yielded the second highest pass attempts in the NFL in 2019. 633 pass attempts in 2019. A 64% pass percentage, third in the NFL. It was also very high in terms of neutral game scripts when they were trailing. Any situation, they threw the ball. This is likely not going to change much as the defense continues to be in rebuild mode with the huge losses they faced this offseason. Primarily, their captain, Luke Keekley, James Bradbury, who was their best corner, and then also guys on the defensive line like Gerald McCoy, uh, Mario Addison, I believe, um, Bruce Irvin, 
uh, Eric Reed in the back end of the secondary. Like, the, the defense is decimated, and it's replaced with a bunch of young guys, and they're going to have some growing pains, especially in the six NFC South tilts, as we mentioned. This division is going to see th- – this team is – is going to be playing from behind in this division because their defense is not going to be able to cover uh, Michael Thomas, not going to be able to cover Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. It's not going to be able to cover Julio Jones. So Calvin Ridley. And Calvin Ridley. Yeah. Like th- yeah. this defense has no shot of stopping these guys. They will be high scoring games in Carol in Carolina's uh, uh, NFC South matchups. Bridgewater should be poised for sneaky high volume uh, in this passing season in his first uh, stint with Carolina. And I know he has this reputation of being a game manager, but I think he's not going to have much choice but to throw the ball downfield this year. For sure. I mean, you mentioned it. I'm actually going to get into uh, it a little bit more about the situation because uh, my league winner is actually associated with that offense, and I didn't just, like, bail out and say Christian McCaffrey. So stay tuned for that. But, yeah, I mean, Teddy Bridgewater, to me, I mean, I'm going to break down the efficiencies of just how much better he was than Kyle Allen last year. But if he was there last year, based on the overall volume that Kyle Allen was able to do, I mean, this guy would have been – at the minimum, a top 20 quarterback, probably probably even hit that top 15 range. I mean, he was just – we saw what he was able to do in that New Orleans system. Well, now he's getting a similar system in Joe Brady stepping in for the Carolina Panthers. I mean, I am beyond excited for not only the weapons there, but especially with Bridgewater. I mean, uh, he's definitely a sleeper because a lot of people just think, oh, it's Teddy Bridgewater or whatever. Like, I don't care about him. But, man, like that, that offense is going to be potent. So I'm definitely excited to see what they're able to do for this year. Yeah, no doubt. Um, uh, when do you get into your sleeper? So my sleeper, I mean, again, there's not too many, like, real sleepers in this division. But, man, this is this is one that y'all just can't sleep on. Yeah, this and one's it's a good, deep cut, though. It's very deep. It's very deep. It's uh, actually wide receiver 82 deep. I'm talking about Russell Gage. And the main reason that, it, that Russell Gage really excites me for this season is 256 vacated targets on the most pass-first offense in the entire league, second most in the red zone as well. So, I mean, if you're looking at it just off last season, Russell Gage, I didn't even realize he had this many. He hit 74 targets last year. And this is a full season without Mohamed Sunu in the hole. So, obviously, he got traded to New England for a second-round pick, so can't believe that return at last year's trade deadline. But, I mean, if you're just looking at it, even if we slot 300 combined targets to Ridley and Jones, because everybody's saying, okay, Calvin really is going to take that next step up. Say we give him 143 to what Jones had 157 last year. That's 300 total targets. That still leaves 206 vacated targets to mostly be conjured up by Hayden Hurst, Russell Gage, and Todd Gurley. So, I mean, I would not be shocked realistically if Russell Gage took that 100, 110 target type leap. And if he's doing that, I mean, he has the upside of finishing as a wide receiver three or better next year or for the season. So, I mean, I would not be shocked if this guy ranked as a top 35 receiver next year, and he's basically being had virtually free at wide receiver AP. Like, if you guys are doing best balls at this point, I know we post he's our draft. He's the perfect, like, 18th-round pick in best ball because, um, like, literally no one wants him, and he's probably going to have five or six fantasy-relevant games, like, throughout the season. And this is all assuming that all these guys break out and stay healthy too. Like if exactly. anything were to happen to Julio, if anything were to happen to Ridley, if anything were to happen to Hurst, or if Ridley and Hurst specifically just disappoint and they don't reach that next level and get those 140 targets for Ridley or 110 targets for Hurst and they just kind of bust out, Russell Gage could be the third option in this offense. And this offense will produce a third option in the passing game. 100%. Because 
I mean, 600 pass attempts might be a conservative pro- uh, projection for the Atlanta Falcons. Like, I'm 700 may be the mark, to be quite honest. For almost 700 pass attempts, I'm pretty sure. Uh, like, the, the, the last time I've really seen an offense projected for this many attempts was, I believe, it was the 2013 Detroit Lions that had 727 passing attempts. They're like, the new bucks. I, 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 the new bucks. I would like, not be surprised if they approached that number. Yeah. Like, it's just insane. So ultimately here, you're getting the wide receiver three, probably around the fourth receiving option if you include Hurst, but that's projecting that he does take that step. I believe personally, I'm going to talk about it later on, as a top six tight end is where I have him, so a little sneak peek. Uh, but that, that even if it's the fourth option in this offense, I would not be shocked again if he had 100 targets. Like he had 74 last year. There's so much vacated production. This isn't even just – a, a, a warm heart take. This is just a math take. Like, where the fuck is that production going to go if it's not to Gage, if it's not the Hurst? So, fire it up. Russell Gage, virtually free. Go make sure he's on every one of your teams. Yeah, and Dynasty, too. He's a young receiver. You could probably get him from nothing, too. Third year. Especially in this year where you might have guys go out with COVID and shit. He, he could slot in in a pinch, I think. Uh, For sure. Redraft leagues, I don't know if year. I'd be drafting him, but he's definitely a guy to keep on waiver wire speed dial. On yeah, the I mean, guy that you don't yeah. that might be on your waiver wire with the way I project him to play. And that's the only bust in this division, in my opinion. And me and Danny talked about this before we recorded. It's hard to find fantasy busts in this division because it's just so good for fantasy. But Todd Gurley is who I'm talking about. If you've heard anything on this channel, you knew this was coming. Number 48 in yards per touch last year, number 42 in breakaway run rate, or number 67 in yards created per touch. He had nine drops which ranked number one at the position. His, he had the worst PFF receiving grade of any running back, and that includes Kalen Bellage. He, yeah. reached, he reached yeah. 100 yards from scrimmage just three times in 2019. Basically, he was touchdown or bust as, as clear as it comes last year. And Gurley just passed his physical a couple, like a couple weeks ago, a couple months ago. This, the knee is a big-time issue to the point that coaches didn't even know what his health was after they signed him. And obviously, it wasn't really an issue for him last year. He, like, didn't miss that many games. But it obviously affected his explosiveness, his, the way he plays. Like, he was not a guy who was number 42 in yards per, created per touch, like, in 2017 and 2018. Like, he was an explosive electric running back. He made his money in the red zone, as I mentioned. 2017 and 2018, touchdowns were the way that he was an elite fantasy running back. He had 59 red zone touches just last year, which ranked third at the position. And he ranked number one over 2017 and 2018 with over 70 red zone touches on the season. Devontae Freeman only vacates 25 red zone touches from last year, which only which would have been ranked 25 at the position. To, like Todd Gurley, even if he is a full-fledged bell cow, which I don't think he will be, I think Brian Hill and Quadre Olison and Ido Smith are going to slot in somehow. Maybe they even sign another veteran or something to either take away pass catching work or take away some of the carries or take away some of the goal line work. Like, if Todd Gurley, even if he's a full-fledged bell cow, he's going to see a huge reduction in red zone touches from, he di- from his days in Los Angeles. The Falcons rank number two in the NFL in pass percentage in the red zone at yeah. 63%, and the Rams rank number uh, 28 at 47%. So they ran the ball way more in the red zone than the Falcons did. And at, like as I mentioned, someone's going to siphon work from him. It's either going to be in the passing game or it's going to be on the goal line. One of these, like he's not getting a fucking 80% opportunity share. He's not, he's not going to hold up. The coaches know that they're not just going to throw him into that role. Cause they'll be fucked at running back. If they get hurt. Yeah. I mean, th- this is just clear as day. This is all, the only real bust in this division. I'm going to talk about mine, but that's more so just, I don't think the value's there, but man, Gurley's the bust. I mean, playing it simple. I mean, everywhere you see like, 
people wonder why, oh, why is he the most divided player in fantasy football? I mean, you got half the people that told him as, oh, he's a steal. He should be a top 10 back. You got the other half like us who just think, oh, he shouldn't even be a top 20 back. That's the difference between doing research and not doing research is why he's so divided. Man, we actually both have him ranked outside our top 20. So uh, make sure you guys go check out those rankings in the draft guide. But man, like, I just don't understand it, plain and simple. I mean, he needed that much usage in the red zone last year, 59 total attempts last year in the red zone, 12 rushing touchdowns from inside the 10-yard line. Like, that's just insanity. Like, that's not going to hold up, especially on a team, as you mentioned, as I'm going to mention for uh, my, my value later on. I mean, second highest percentage behind the Jets at 63% uh, pass to run split in the red zone, 102 passing attempts. I mean, where do you just see magically Gurley's going to conjure up those 59 carries again? Like, he I mean, doesn't catch the ball in the red zone because he can't catch anymore. He can't catch. I mean, I, I, I don't get this. I mean, you, y'all have heard all offseason how off of Todd Gurley Bush and I are. Yeah, we can and move on from him. Like, We've talked about him enough. Who's uh, yeah. I mean, th- again, as I mentioned, this is more so like not an, an appropriate value, more so than a bust, because I do think like he has the upside to be a really good option. But I mean, it's going to be Rob Gronkowski for me. So he's currently going off the board as the tight end 11. And for me, it's just there's way too much risk for him to be a top 12 uh, tight end picked in terms of ADP. I mean, it's just too rich for my blood. So, I mean, while I could be wrong and we can just see prime Bronk return, he's back with Brady, yada, yada. I mean, this is still a player who, even when he was playing, he hasn't played a full season since 2011. I mean, yes, in his prime, Gronk was the best tight end in history, but it's coming off a year hiatus. We know the large task it is for him to overcome uh, in terms of the, the concussion issues he's dealt with, in terms of the overall injuries, underlying issues. I mean, plain and simple, yes. When he was in his prime, he was fantastic, but we haven't seen that same player because even when the last time we saw him on the field, I mean, he just wasn't the same Gronk, plain and simple. So overall, I mean, he's missed five games or more and six out of his nine seasons played. If he's not on the field, he can't return value. It just, it just won't happen. So overall, I mean, playoff predictor, or not playoff predictor, sports injury predictor actually has him as the number one rated tight end in terms of a percentage chance of injury. They actually have him as a... still exists, doesn't he? Yeah, that's, that's, that's the surprising part. Get this, Corey. So the, the, the sports injury predictor is basically like your percentage of chance of missing at least two quarters in the season. He has a 99% chance of missing two quarters or more. And his projected games missed is 5.1. He's got a 25% chance of getting injured yeah. in each game he plays. And that's where <laughs> I'm going to like kind of object to this take because, and again, I know you like, there's really no bust in this division. Yeah. Right? So I know I you're not just attacking Gronk. He was kind of just like the only option. Yeah. My, my line of thinking is if you get 10 games out of Rob Gronkowski, he's going to have eight touchdowns or more. That's the only thing that I like hold on to with Gronk is that I think he's going to play a limited snap share. They're not going to play him as a full-time tight end because they have two other good tight ends and Gronk, like you said, is coming off a year hiatus and he's an older player and he's dealt with injuries. They're going to limit him on a snap count and stuff. So I don't think he's going to like, I don't think his ceiling is even remotely as high as someone like Darren Waller's or, or Zach Ertz or like any tight end that's not like guys. Um, yeah, even Hayden Hurst, like, or John, like, I don't think he has a chance to finish inside the top four tight ends, I would say. 
because I think he's going to basically be what Jimmy Graham was in Seattle that one year where he caught yeah. like a bunch of touchdowns and he gets three catches for 40 yards and a touchdown on his good weeks. And that's basically all you can ask for from him. I don't think there's a chance he's like a seven for 110 and a touchdown like weekly ceiling. I don't think he's ever getting that much volume. I think they're going to use Howard. They're going to use Bray. It's not just going to be the Gronkowski show as far. And then obviously you got to compete with the top two receivers in this offense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, we mentioned like the the ceiling obviously is going to be limited given like how good those other receivers are. He's not going to play full time in general. And then when you add in the injury versus, I mean, he's just to me, like he, I feel much safer if he was going in like the tight end, like 13 to 15 range. It's just taking him as a top 12 tight end is just too risky for me, especially with those other options, as we mentioned. A guy like John Smith is going on later. Mike Jasicki, like one of those guys like that's guaranteed to get the volume, that's guaranteed to have higher upside, in my opinion, due to the fact that they don't have all those underlying injury concerns. But, yeah, I mean, this is more one just nitpicking because really other than Gurley, there's not too many uh, real busts in the division. But, uh yeah, I mean, moving past Rob Gronkowski, uh, who is your value in the division? Yeah, so we're going to stay on the same team. Uh, everyone assumes that Chris Godwin is the receiver to own in fantasy, and it's like kind of rightfully so, I guess, when you're looking at the new quarterback and the situation that he's in. But Mike Evans is slipping too far, guys. Like, yeah. Chris Godwin will 100% out-target Mike Evans. I understand that. I know that's going to happen because his targets are closer to the line of scrimmage, and he's, he's the slot guy, and he's, gonna, he's just going to get more targets. And I mentioned this on um, on Notorious Fantasy's channel with my bold prediction. A lot of this stuff sounds like the same information because it is. Um, Mike Evans led the NFL in yards per route run on deep attempts last year. No surprise, he received the fourth most of uh, uh, deep targets of any receiver in the NFL. So he has big play potential. I know there's a chance, like there's a chance that Mike Evans has 12 to 15 touchdowns this year. That's what I'm holding on to with Mike Evans because I think it's going to happen. I love Jameis Winston, but Mike Evans led the NFL in uncatchable targets, including 18 of those 30 deep attempts that he saw. So he literally only had like 30% of his deep attempts that were actually accurate. The sling it downfield system of Bruce Arians is here to stay. Tom Brady is going to operate Bruce Arians system. He's going to sling it downfield. And we've never seen Tom Brady do that before, maybe since 2007. Like Tom Brady, if he's in the system and he is the same quarterback we always have known Tom Brady to be, he could have like an a MVP caliber season this year. Like, and the average fan understands that, but the fantasy, like the fantasy analysts and the, the hardcore fantasy players don't. And I, I honestly don't know why. Don't He's you not going to just throw check downs to James White and Julian Edelman, mainly because they're not here in the offense. Everyone wants to just turn McCoy and fucking Godwin into, into James White and Julian Edelman, but that's not going to happen. To the red zone. This is where I'm really excited about Mike Evans. Mike Evans had uh, tied for the NFL lead with DK Metcalf. With, uh, I believe it was, or no, sorry, he was second in the NFL with 14 end zone targets. So throws to the end zone. And he also tied for eighth in the NFL with 14 red zone targets, eight coming inside the five yard line. That was second in the NFL behind Larry Fitzgerald, oddly enough. Um, now Gronk is, is there to take attention away from Evans in the red zone. Because if you line up on third and six or like third and goal, but it's like six yards to score, who are you, tar- who are you covering as a defense? You're, you're looking at Rob Gronkowski. Like you are yes. not letting Rob Gronkowski get the ball in the end zone. I think Mike Evans has never had a guy like that to draw attention away from him in the red zone, including Chris Godwin, because Chris Godwin was good in the red zone last year because Evans was getting all the attention. So let's also remember a wide receiver of Evans dimensions and skill set, a big body deep threat broke the single season receiving touchdown record with Tom Brady at quarterback. Don't overthink Mike Evans. His quarterback's an upgrade. 
deep accuracy in the red zone, all the places that Mike Evans makes his money, his quarterback is an upgrade. He's not going to catch 100 passes like Chris Godwin is. I understand that. But he might catch 12-plus touchdowns, which he's already done twice in his career. So it's not like this is some unfound ceiling for Mike Evans in year eight of his career. Like, he's caught 12 touchdowns before. He can do it again. A hundred percent. I mean, it's just, it's funny to me because the fact that we even have to mention that he's a value, like you see on Twitter, some of these like randos are like, oh, he's wide receiver 15 this year. It's like the other thing I hate about the Mike Evans argument. Sorry. I just had to touch on this. He's inconsistent. It's like no receivers outside of Michael Thomas last year. And like Devonte Adams two years ago, have a good week every single week. I understand Mike Evans is kind of inconsistent, but like, his efficiency as a like his quarterback efficiency has gone up, which might make his floor better because in the past, like there was games where Mike Evans would have like 11 targets and only catch two balls because Jameis Winston couldn't get him the ball. Yeah, literally. I mean, you mentioned it like Mike Evans to me, like as a talent, obviously is still a top six receiver in the league. I know you're on the same page there. So in general, I mean, the fact that of the matter that some people let him slip outside the top 10, like I've seen him available at the end of the third round in some of these yeah. drafts, like it just, it makes no sense. I mean, this is still the player who's still ca- in that like end of the second round caliber of a talent. Like don't let him slip in your drafts, plain and simple. I mean, he's a clear value. That offense is going to be fireworks. I mean, we, we mentioned Chris Godwin. We mentioned uh, Rob Gronkowski. I'm going to mention the quarterback later on. A little sneak peek again, but. I'm going to mention uh, the running back soon too. <laughs> stay tuned for that as well. So. Yeah, fire up the bucks. Is it, that, that, that's the case, right, Bush? Yeah. <laughs> Heading into my value, I actually hinted at him earlier when I was talking about my sleeper, and it's actually another addition uh, to that Falcons offense. I mean, Gage was there last year, but I'm saying in addition to that Falcons offense, in Hayden Hurst. So, uh, I mean, I'm going to get you to display the graphic that you tweeted a couple uh, months ago, but basically the percentage of tight ends basically on playoff rosters and it just goes to show, I mean, Kittle in 2018, Ebron in 2018, Cook in 2018, last year, Waller, Andrews, Hooper. The thing that all those guys have in common, they were all super late values at the tight end position that ultimately boomed. Hayden Hurst is in that tier of t- potential breakout. I mean, you're looking at it. This guy's currently going off as the tight end nine in redraft. That is just an absolute steal. I mean, if you're, if you're looking at it realistically, the Falcons are going to throw the pigskin all across the field. They ranked first last year in pass the run split at 66.7%. They still have Dirk Cutter running the show, who we all know, you especially, loves feeding his tight ends. We mentioned before they were second in the league in pass rate in the red zone, and they are vacating 256 targets, where Austin Hooper had an 18.5% target market share on the team just last season breaking out tight end two over the first eight weeks of last year before he dealt with injuries. This is a guy, in my opinion, if the volume works right, if he acclimates himself in the offense where Matt Ryan has already said he's the most athletic tight end he's ever really worked with. He said that on record. I just don't see any way that he can disappoint. I mean, realistically, where else are the targets going to go? This guy's going at the tight end nine. I have him at the six and even that looking at the projections, looking at where this volume is going to go just seems low. Like, I, I just don't understand why people are off of Hayden Hurst, maybe because he's not a big name, maybe because he hasn't done it before. But at the end of the day here, in limited sample size with the Ravens last year, playing behind Mark Andrews, he was still a really efficient tight end option. 
netted a second round and a fifth round pick in this year's draft. The Falcons traded for him for a reason. They do realize that that tight end presence in their offense is crucial for its success. They basically traded Cam or J.K. Dobbins for him because the pick that we exactly. on him was J.K. Dobbins, and they could have used J.K. Dobbins. Yeah, I mean, especially because we talked about the bust that they signed at running yeah. back. But I, I'm, I'm all in on Hayden Hurst. I mean, I've seen – I'm. Sad to see that his ADP is rising because I, I love just sniping him in like the eighth or the ninth, tenth round. Now I see him in best balls kind of creeping in that seventh, eighth area. But even that, that's proper value because he's he's a he's a tight he's a top six tight end in my opinion. I mean, there's just no way to argue the the uh, expected volume that he should be receiving in that situation. So if he's going off as tight end nine in your home leagues and whatever league you're drafting in, consider that because. Expert, like expert leagues and people listen to fantasy advice you know who Hayden Hurst is because like long ass time ago all the big name fantasy analysts brought up Hayden Hurst and the situation and now everyone has caught on to it but people yeah. in your home leagues might be like Hayden Hurst like the backup tight end in Baltimore like why is everyone so excited about him and if you can get him behind big name guys like Jared Cook and Rob Gronkowski and stuff then that's stealing that is absolutely stealing easily I mean 102 passing attempts in the green zone for yeah. the Falcons last year Fire that up. Absolute value. Now, we, we discovered it. We talked about uh, the Tampa Bay offense initially like before, and you kind of preluded to uh, this guy. But, Corey, take it away. You're the league winner. You're boy. Yeah, this is – I mean, this is the guy that I – this is my guy. Like, I, spoiler alert, me and Danny are going to have a My Guys episode at some point yeah. before the, the thing starts, uh, the season starts. And this will be my running back because I think my – reputation hinges on the fact that this guy breaks out because I've been tooting the horn of this team <laughs> since May. I'm the conductor of the Rojo hype train. Get Easily. out of here, FF ball all day because it's me. So yeah. 93% of the time a running back has 250 plus touches and six plus touchdowns. They finish top 15. You've heard me say this a couple times now. Ronald Jones had 203 last year and seven touchdowns. Now Tom Brady is running the offense. Bruce Arians has talked about Tom, uh, Tom Brady's ability to use running backs in the screen game. Ronald Jones has also been talked up in that aspect of his ability as a running back. He says he's catching 100 balls a day on the jugs machine to work on his hands. Hands which landed him five less targets than Joe Mixon last year, just to point out. Receiving back, though, right? Yeah, receiving back, yeah. Peyton Barber vacates 170 touches from the offense. The addition of LaShawn McCoy does nothing to me in terms of Ronald Jones' role. Bruce Arians came out and was quoted as saying, all these guys are competing behind Ronald Jones. Ronald Jones is the starting running back. These guys are filling in behind him, which tells me that LaShawn McCoy is Dario Gumbawale's replacement in the offense. What, what he's here to do is be the third down running back because he's an experienced veteran running back. And if, if Ronald Jones isn't able to improve in pass protection and improve as a receiver, they can at least lean on LaShawn McCoy knowing that he knows how to do that already. Uh, and Keyshawn Vaughn, I don't even really want to talk about Keyshawn Vaughn because I think <laughs> everyone knows that he's not going to be good this year. He'll be eased in. I've mentioned this in more length in previous uh, shows, our very first hot commodities, if you want to go check that out. Um, David Johnson in his rookie year was uh, eased into the offense behind Andre Ellington and Chris Johnson. He only got 5.2 uh, touches per game his rookie year while Chris Johnson was in the lineup, despite being excellent, having awesome yards per touch, and the coaches believing that it'll be a workhorse by Thanksgiving and all that stuff. So Keyshawn Vaughn, like legitimately might not even dress on game day to start the season. I, I'm not even kidding right now. Because as it stands right now, Ronald Jones is the starter. LaShawn McCoy is the third down back. Dario Gumbawale is a special teams captain, so he will be playing because he contributes on special teams. 
And then the other running backs on the roster, uh, TJ Logan and Raymond Calais, are in line right now, the front runners, to be the kick returners and punt returners. So there's a chance that if they only dress four running backs, Keyshawn Vaughn isn't even on the field. Like the, and this happened Ronald Jones' rookie year. He wasn't dressed the first couple year, uh, weeks of the season. And that could very well happen to Vaughn, especially with him falling behind, being that he was on the COVID reserve list and the shortened offseason, no preseason, all that stuff. So this will be an elite offense, as you can tell. We've talked about a couple guys from <laughs> yeah. already. They should be a top five scoring offense because they were last year and their, their quarterback situation got better and they got a, another tight end and a, a, a better right tackle. So I don't know why they wouldn't be a better offense this year. This is a fa- like elite offenses and f- high scoring fantasy running backs, very high correlation. Like 95% of like top 12 running backs are in a top 15 scoring offense. So to be in a good offense and again, run blocking improved this, uh, in this offense this year, Tristan Wirfs is a much better run blocker than, than DeMar Dotson was, even as a rookie. DeMar Dotson has literally openly admitted that he doesn't like run blocking, which is the fucking weirdest thing I've ever heard <laughs> of right tackle. But he actually has said this. I'm predicting Ronald Jones to be this year's Aaron Jones. He could finish as the RB2 like Aaron Jones did last year on the back of scoring opportunities. He was fourth in success rate in the red zone in 2019, and he has big playability. He's 4-4-2 speed at 220 pounds. This dude, his ceiling is 12 to 15 touchdowns, 1,500 plus total yards, 35 catches, which would have put him as a top eight running back last year. Yeah, that's basically on par with Joe Mixon's reception total. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when you're talking about Jones, it just, it makes no sense to me, plain and simple. Like, he was a top 25 back last year, and his ADP, I believe, is RB30 right now. Like, yeah. First of all, yeah, like, math. Everyone is catching on now, though. Like, it's not yeah. a secret anymore. When he was going in the eighth, ninth round, I was, like, like, I, I would literally, like, if he was an eighth or ninth round pick, like, I would literally own him in every league. Like, because I'm, I'm not even risking anything at that point. Even as a sixth round pick, I might own him in every league because I still don't think that's too big of a risk. For, like, and I, I'm having a hard time poking holes in si- his situation. Even as a Bucks fan, I recognize, or I recognize that I could be a little biased, like, because he's on my team, right? But, like, I, I, I'm having a hard time poking holes in his, his outlook. It, I, I find it very hard to believe that he's not going to break out. I fully agree as well. I mean, the fact of the matter is, yeah, I have seen his ADP sneaking into that six-round area. But even then, I mean, you're getting him as your RB3, possibly RB4 at times. I mean, take that value all day. Because as you mentioned, I mean, he's going to get volume. That offense is going to be fantastic. And ultimately here, you're not spending that fourth-round, third-round draft capital that you're spending on a guy like Gurley. In my opinion, I don't a fourth-round pick to get Devin fucking Singletary. Literally. Like, Literally, so I mean, it, uh, I would much rather even face up. I have Ronald Jones ranked ahead of Gurley. I'm sure you do as do. well. I, like plain and simple. I mean, just take that discount and get a better player if you're thinking about taking Gurley. Yeah. But uh, just don't think about taking him to begin with. But let's get into my league winner, and it's a guy I have been high on all off season. You guys have heard me rant about this guy basically any chance I have an opportunity to. And it's DJ Moore, wide receiver from the Carolina Panthers. So currently his best ball ADP is at wide receiver 10. And to me, I mean, at that ADP, I mean, that's basically third round ADP, mid third round. He presents league winning type upside. So, I mean, my wide receiver six in PPR, I am staking my claim. He is the wide receiver six for me ahead of DeAndre Hopkins. Saying that right now, y'all can get mad in the comments. My wide receiver six too. Get mad in the comments for all you guys. But, I mean, DJ Moore is a player that presents a ton of boom potential. And is entering a season where he can fully encapsulate in what everybody believes him to be. 
and that is an elite talent at the position to ultimately enter that elite tier as a fantasy football producer. So, I mean, if you're just looking based off last year, he had 1,175 receiving yards, nearly 1,200 receiving yards as a sophomore and four receiving touchdowns and just over 14 games played. And I'm going to break down how bad the quarterback play was during that stretch. So ultimately here, I mean, you're getting a guy as a, a, under 23 years old producing 1,200 yards and four receiving touchdowns, which was actually, if you, if you looked at it over those 14 games, 16.24 PPR points per game in those 14 healthy games was a wide receiver nine on a point per game basis last year. Yet I've seen people have him at 15 and still say, oh, he's going to improve from last year. He's only wide receiver 17. He was the wide receiver nine on points per game. So keep in mind when you're projecting DJ Moore for next year, people just think, oh yeah, he only produced 1175 and four in a full season. Nah, he did it in 14 games. So Let's break down the quarterback situation and why he can improve without even talking about just natural progression from ultimately one of the most talented receivers, the talented young receivers in the game. And just some touchdown luck too, because he got plain, pretty unlucky with that. Plain and simple. Breaking down how inefficient the quarterback situation was. He ranked, or his catchable target rate and his target quality ranking ranked 74th and 69th, nice, respectively. His catch rate uh, was 64.4%, so that's receptions on his total targets. While his true catch rate, so catches on uh, catchable targets, was 87.9. Respectively, those ranked 46th and 19th. Usually those numbers would correlate, they'd be around the same, but the fact of the matter is he was so much more efficient than his actual catch rate would say, based on how inaccurate the actual targets he, rece he was receiving. So ultimately, I mean, I mentioned the points per game. You're now you're entering Teddy Bridgewater. This is the cause for optimism as to why I think he can take that next step into that elite tier. You mentioned him in your sleepers part. But if you're just breaking down the comparison between Teddy Bridgewater and Kyle Allen, I mean, obviously we know Teddy Bridgewater is a co uh, better quarterback. But I mean, true completion percentage, 76.4%, which was fourth league wide, compared to Kyle Allen, 67.5%, which ranked 26th. 7.8 accuracy rating, ranked second in the league compared to Kyle Allen's 6.8, which ranked 30th, and 7.1 adjusted air yards per attempt, ranked 12th in the league, compared to Kyle Allen's 5.5, which ranked 31st. So ultimately, we mentioned that huge quarterback upgrade. Now we're going to mention the system that Joe Brady is bringing. Joe Brady runs a system that is similar to what Sean Payton runs in uh, New Orleans. He is a disciple of Sean Payton. Now, what do we notice about the Sean Payton system? They all have an alpha dominant wide receiver one. Michael Thomas, we saw the LSU receivers last year with what Joe Brady worked with. DJ Moore is a guy who profiles so similarly in terms of efficiency, in terms of uh, overall uh, play, uh, play style to Michael Thomas that I would not be surprised if he had a 120 type reception season in this offense, especially given, as you mentioned, that uh, projected volume that we should see from the passing game. I mean, DJ Moore to me at the wide receiver 10, he is a locked and loaded top seven, top eight option with the upside to full prediction. I would not be surprised if he was the wide receiver one this year. Yeah. Plain simple. No, if his I, 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 don't, up. I don't disagree. And the one thing, I don't know if this is going to be a hot take to people, but the quarterback upgrade from Kyle Allen to Teddy Bridgewater is far bigger than the quarterback upgrade Allen Robinson is seeing. I, I, I don't think Nick Foles is much better than Mitch Trubisky. I think Teddy Bridgewater is a lot better than Kyle Allen. Like a I, fully agree. I think like Teddy Bridgewater in this system, like it's a good system. He's going to be playing from behind, which will hurt like the win total of the Panthers. But 
uh, in terms of like what they have around him, he has the capability to put up like a respectable season, like at the quarterback position and be like, I don't know. I don't think he can win comeback player of the year anymore, but like, cause he's already kind of came back, but yeah. that type of season from him, like similar to what we saw from Ryan Tannehill last year. Easily. I mean, he could very well have a Ryan Tannehill type season. I mean, again, we, uh, a lot of people just harp, well, Bridgewater doesn't throw the ball down the field, yada, yada, yada. DJ Moore is one doesn't of the, the best, DJ Moore is one of the best intermediate receivers in the NFL. I mean, in terms of yards after catch ability, in terms of uh, open field ability, I mean, he makes people miss in the open field. Like in general, he is such a dynamic talent on the outside that Teddy Bridgewater is going to lean on him as we saw him lean on Michael Thomas. Cause even, even uh, in those games that he started last year, like you would expect, Oh, well, Michael Thomas's numbers dipped he, uh, tremendously from when uh, Drew Brees got hurt. When he actually was, uh, I believe it was just under two points per game less in terms of PPR with Bridgewater compared to Brees. So, and that's I mean, the same amount of and that's still, Yeah. And that's yeah. still over 20 points per game. And for the that's record. why I like Teddy. Teddy Bridgewater is my quarterback 18. Like I have him so much higher than everyone else. And the reason being is because all of his weapons are going to make him his job so easy. Like, DJ Moore can literally take a slant to the house. Christian McCaffrey yes. can do non-human things after the catch. Fucking Curtis Samuel's great after the catch. Robbie Anderson can go up and get it uh, deep down the field. Like everything about Teddy Bridgewater to me screams like that year that Jared Goff had like like fifty percent of his production on like yards after the catch or something like whatever that stat was. That's yeah. what I could see from Teddy Bridgewater this year. So um, coming off the Panthers and going to my bounce back, and this is the most obvious bounce back in the division, it's Alvin Kamara. Like, he's obviously <laughs> a candidate in this division. He suffered a high ankle sprain and, and actually came out recently. Both him and uh, head coach Sean Payton admitted that he tore his knee up, quote-unquote. Or MCL, yeah, I heard. It affected him on and off throughout the whole season. The five games he played prior to his week six injury against uh, the Jaguars, he, had, he was averaging almost 20 PPR points per game. He was like the RB6 in points per game. Like, He's still an elite running back. If anyone's fading him because they owned him last year and they he burned them or whatever, like it was just a fluke. There's really nothing you can do about it. Positive touchdown regression is absolutely coming for Alvin Kamara. He only had six touchdowns last year. He averages 15 and a half touchdowns combined rushing and receiving over the previous two years of his uh, of his career. Kamara is special. He is a special running back. Like he is, in my opinion, he's the second best, like third best running back in the league behind Barkley and McCaffrey. He was a victim of, of bad luck last year. I, there's really nothing you can do about it. As I said, Breeze going down, his own injuries, serious touchdown regression from 2018. There's absolutely no concerns for me taking Alvin Kamara as high as number three overall, but definitely within the top five and 100% ahead of his teammate. I would 100% every time. Easily every over week, Michael Thomas. No matter the format, pick him ahead of Michael Thomas. Easily. I mean, you're mentioning that. We all know this, the narrative by now, oh, Alvin Kamara, 80, 81 catches per year. Like that, that's just his thing, right? The only difference is he did it in 14 games last year. Yeah. It's just like when everyone says the DAC has six rushing touchdowns every year, it's, it's yeah. the number that gets stuck in your head every time. I mean, realistically, I mean, we just saw obviously Christian McCaffrey had 116 receptions. I don't think that uh, Kamara's not going to get that many, but I wouldn't be surprised if he, if he entered that 90, 95, even close to 100 reception uh, role because we've seen when he is on the field, he's the second threat in that offense. Obviously, we know how uh, how many targets Michael Thomas can see. I mean, 185 last year. That's not going to be the same with healthy Alvin Kamara because Alvin Kamara is going to get his six, seven, eight targets per game because that's just what he does. We never got to see him like, without Mark Ingram yet, really, right? Because remember like uh, the narrative last year was – 
oh, what about those games when Mark Ingram was suspended, when Alvin Kamara was, like, by far and away the best running back in fantasy? Like, that is his ceiling. Like, his ceiling yeah. is, is what McCaffrey did last year. Yeah, his ceiling is 26, 27 fantasy points per game. Yeah, his ceiling is you play him in DFS every week for 11 grand, and you don't even care that he costs that much. Yeah, literally. I mean, I still remember, like, obviously, I could have, by the way, picked McCaffrey as a league winner, but that's just no fun taking the 101. Like the plain and simple, but man, there was literally weeks where McCaffrey was like two thousand dollars more than anybody else. I played him when he was like you 11, just 11, just on fucking DK, and I was like, yeah, and he's, he, he's literally like fifteen percent of your budget. He's still two five x his value every time. Yeah, I mean, full, full, fully. I mean, I, I love Alvin Kamara. He was a potential candidate for the league winner. I went with DJ Moore because he's a little deeper down and plain and simple. If you want Kamara, you're going to need a top five pick, but I am all in on Kamara. I mean, to me, that two to four tier, I've said it multiple times, that tier of Barkley, Zeke, and Kamara are literally like inseparable to me. Like, I, I don't care who it is. I'll, I'll pick any one of them at the two slot, three slot, four slot, and I'll If be I get him at fine. six in my home league this weekend, I am going to flip out. Yes. So, I mean, segueing uh, into my bounce back, because uh, this is a guy that we've mentioned basically across the whole video. So I'll just uh, keep it brief. And uh, he's the GOAT. He's the guy that uh, we all know, six Super Bowl titles, nine Super Bowl appearances, both NFL records. I mean, it's Tom Brady. I mean, he's coming off a QB 16 point per game finish last season as a New England Patriot. The thing is, he's not a New England Patriot anymore. He is a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. That's music to Bush's ears right there. Yeah, so also- I just have to say this because it's so obvious. People who are hardcore dynasty players and hardcore fantasy football players, sometimes fantasy football isn't hard. Like Tom Brady has the best weapons of his career. Like sometimes fantasy football isn't hard. That's all I have to say. And I've seen people have him as like their QB 12, 13. It's just, it makes no sense to me. He's QB 16 on points per game last year with James White and Julian Edelman as his only targets in the offense. And now he's going to the Bucks that own, as we mentioned, two top 10 wideouts in the entire league. His longtime best friend and when healthy, the greatest tight end we've ever seen in Rob Gronkowski. Uh, young talent in O.J. Howard, a steady veteran in Cameron Bray who can perform in pinches. And you mentioned, I mean, Ronald Jones has shown plenty of promise and upside to ultimately be one of the highest scoring offenses in the league for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, plain and simple, if this offense is going to be in the top five, that basically locks Tom Brady as a top 10 quarterback and a potential top five upside, given the opportunity that he'll have to throw the ball to those weapons in the red zone. So, I mean, plain and simple, this should be a unanimous top 10 ranked quarterback amongst everybody in the industry, but I've still seen people not believe in the hype. Don't make it hard. That situation is way too good for Brady not to succeed. Yeah, and one thing I actually just thought of is uh, when was the last time Brady was elite? His MVP season, right? 2017. What did he have as his weapons in that season? He had a deep threat in Brandon Cooks. Mike Evans is going to fill that role. He had Julian – actually, he didn't have Julian Edelman. Julian Edelman was hurt. He tore his ACL. So Godwin, like, that's obviously a huge upgrade. And he had Gronk playing at, like, an elite, elite level that year. So I think his – like, the last time we saw him with good weapons, he had an MVP season. Like – it's fantasy football isn't that hard. I'm telling you right now, if Tom Brady goes as like the 10th quarterback off the board in your fantasy drafts. You thank your lucky stars that you got an absolute lock to finish as a top eight quarterback. Easily. I agree. So uh, yeah. Anything else you want to add before we head out of here? I know you got to go. I got to go as well, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Just uh, 
This is the AFC South next week. Or NFC, not AFC NFC. You know what I – I butchered that. Take it away. Yeah. All right. So, as I mentioned, draft guide link is in the description. Three bucks. Like, so much information is there. So much. Uh, join the Discord. The season is starting in less than a month. And you're going to get a lot of um, help from other fantasy players, other experienced fantasy players, especially if you're new to fantasy and you're just kind of tuning back into the fantasy scene now. This is the time to, to join that Discord and, and get a lot of advice. There's also going to be people starting leagues and stuff in there as well if you don't have anyone you, else you can play with or your friends are kind of lame like some of mine are. So yeah. um, without further ado, guys, take it easy and enjoy your Thursday. Peace out, y'all.